Welcome to This is the Song, a podcast brought to you by the LaSalle School of Engineering. Each episode, we bring you a fresh conversation from the LaSalle community. Every episode, you'll hear from engineers and scientists, aka our students, profs, alumni, and industry partners, stories about designing solutions to complex problems to push our world forward. Tune in as these stories will engage, inspire, and delight you to create human impact through science and engineering. We're so excited to welcome Kanishk Singh to our podcast today. Kanishk is joining us from the United Nations city in Denmark, where he's currently working after completing his civil engineering and international developmental studies at Lausanne. Kanishk talks to us about his adventures while at Lausanne, walks us through a day in his life working at the UN, and shares his moment where he discovered how engineering and the UN sustainable developmental goals are interconnected. Welcome, Kanishk. Thank you so much, Utkarsh. Really appreciate this. And uh, just to just to uh, warm up for today's session, um, you are working for the United Nations right now. Uh, yes, but am, this yeah. has this has a very long journey. So yes. uh, going back to the beginning a little bit, what inspired you to pursue civil engineering to begin with? So. I'm going to have to go back back. So like in high school, um, when we were deciding what uh, programs, you know, we're going to apply for in university. Um, to be honest with you, in high school, like I was not sure at all what I wanted to get into. I was actually going to decide on maybe going into medical. But then as I was getting into grade 11 and then eventually grade 12, it really dawned on me that uh, medical might not be the best fit for me. Uh, just because I tended to do a lot better with uh, mathematics and logic and just a lot of the um, uh, components that are needed for uh, understanding engineering. Um, and so civil engineering actually wasn't even my first choice because I actually came to Lassonde as a uh, undecided major. So I was going to use the first year of our program, which is you know common for everybody to really decide whether I could pursue computers, something I've never touched in high school. I know now kids are like doing all kinds of programming and like all kinds of code way beforehand. Uh, but in my time, like uh, during high school, we never had that. So I was either interested in computers, mechanical or civil. Um, and then through the courses in first year, I really um, liked the uh, I really liked the process of civil engineering. I liked how you can see um, you know, the physical component. And of course, that's in mechanical as well. But I think I really like the idea of how you literally start from nothing. And then through the series of design and through the series of um, application, you see the final product. And I think um, the reason why uh, my uh, interest in civil engineering really became uh, solid was uh, because of the connection that it has with international development. Um, I always knew that I wanted to get into international development, but I really wanted to see what uh, engineering ties best with international development. And when I came across the topic of infrastructure development, that's when it really clicked that, okay, civil engineering is probably the best route. Um, just because um, the idea of SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, um, I was actually just mentioning this at lunch with one of my colleagues, but for me, the way that I see SDGs is that you cannot achieve sustainable development goals without infrastructure. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the proper infrastructure in place, you can't achieve 
the fundamental things that people need to develop and grow in uh, rural communities. So for me, that I, I feel like the, the way that infrastructure ties with uh, international development, that's what really drew me to choosing uh, civil engineering at Lausanne. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what aspect of your field is the most interesting for you? I think the, the aspect of um, my field that really, really inspires me and really interests me is the direct uh, connectivity that a project has with impacting the lives of people. So when we as engineers, we tend to just look at the final picture and call it a day, but um, our projects end up having a huge impact on communities, whether that be water and sanitation, whether that be developing shelters for health clinics, whether that be transportation and you know creating proper road infrastructure. I feel like we do the planning, we do the design, we you know do the final work, but how that directly um, is affected and oh, sorry, how that directly impacts the lives of those people who are gonna be using those services, that's what's uh, really interesting to me within uh, civil engineering. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, because we always forget that one little piece in the process of engineering complicated and complex things. Uh, yep, going 100%. back to what you were talking about, the infrastructure piece, uh, yep. for many people, civil engineering is only about building things, specifically infrastructure. How did sustainability uh, capture attention? And when did this really enter uh, your, your mind that there's something called a sustainability? And what does it mean to you in the constant context of your field? Yeah, for sure. So I think that um, there's two things that really hit me in terms of sustainability and how much we need to start focusing it in not only engineering, but almost every career. Um, so the first thing I would say is definitely the emphasis that Lassonde put on sustainability for us in first year. Um, I'm not too entirely sure of the exact name of the courses, but there was a few courses in first year that all students had to take that really emphasized the need of our generation to get into sustainability and to find ways to make our projects, because we're all in engineering, um, more sustainable and that require less resources and a um, you know less impact on the environment. So I think that was a big uh, learning curve for me of how sustainability um, really is a fundamental part of projects. I think the second moment that really um, instilled in me that, uh, okay, we need to do better. So in 2015, um, the General Assembly was called at the United Nations and um, you know, representatives from all around the world were coming to discuss the, the new revision of the SDGs. So that, that big poster of the SDGs, the 17 SDGs that we see, that was actually drafted in 2015. The next one will be drafted in 2030. So when that was drafted, um, the current uh, Secretary General at the time, Ban Ki-moon, he said a quote that really just like, just like you could say, gave me a like a whoa moment. So he said that we need to do everything that we can to bridge the gap between the world as it should be and how it is. And that really hit me because we as a generation, you know, we are in a phase where we're almost correcting the damages of the previous few generation, but also 
And by generation, I mean like, you know, even the span of like a decade is considered a generation now, right? So I think um, we're almost repairing the damage that was caused by a few decades before us. And then we're also implementing ways to secure the future for the future, uh, sorry, uh, secure the future for the generations or decades to come. So I think that quote really instilled in me the idea of how sustainability, when it's applied, you know, it can really bridge that gap, you know, by, you know, we have a world as it is, and then we have a world as we want it to be. Um, and I think that that's the, the key to that is sustainability and to really implement it into every aspect of not only our like career wise, but also in our daily lives as well. Yeah. That's fascinating because uh, uh, you talk about something very interesting, which is, uh, which is that what we are developing, uh, uh, although it looked like progress, it also meant enormous damages uh, of what we call the modern day progress 100%. Uh, and how yeah. as a civilization we move forward, there is so much backlog to fix while we move forward that we cannot ignore it no more because of the, yep. the climate crisis we're facing yep. uh, so it's fascinating that you 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 came across that so early in your career uh, right yep. uh, and you completed a dual degree too uh, civil engineering with international developmental studies yeah so tell tell me about international developmental studies uh, how did you come across that program and why did you continue to uh, continue doing it and finish two degrees eventually because it does adds a year to your yeah it does um so um again going back to high school um in grade i believe it was grade 12 i attended the um the, the ontario university fair that's held in um the convention center downtown toronto um so at the fair, I was uh, going to different univer uh, university uh, booths and just really understanding what kind of programs they had. Um, and the thing is, I really did want to tie international development into my career. Um, and the reason behind that is that uh, in grade 12, I took an economics course that was part of my um, IB uh, degree, or sorry, uh, diploma. Uh, IB diploma. And um, because I was taking economics, our final course was in um, international development. And out of all the units that I studied in both grade 11 and grade 12, I got the highest mark in that uh, subject itself. And the reason behind that is that I got so interested in it. I got so interested in what is international development? How do we achieve international development? Um, how do we measure international development? At the time, the SDGs were not even properly there. So we had millennium goals. And it was just nine goals that we had to, you know, hopefully achieve. So um, we, uh, so I think that was a really big component into seeing if any program out there has the ability for me to take international development courses um, because I did have an understanding that most university students have to take a um, series of complementary courses. So I was thinking maybe I could cluster all my complementary courses into one field and maybe get like a recognition of that on my degree or something like that. Yeah. You talk about this fascinating intersection uh, of, uh, of humanities, uh, of uh, long-term planning, incorporating society, geopolitical, socioeconomic ripple effects of every single engineering project. 
or uh, projects which is technical in nature, how, how do they impact human beings? Uh, and coming to your current role, um, you're, you're, you're really blending it. So tell us about what does your day at the United Nations look like uh, yeah. on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so um, honestly, this is by far the best work environment that I've ever had. Um, not only am I in a place that I've always dreamed of working at, but so the environment here is beyond friendly, like beyond social. And I think that that really complements the idea of the United Nations well, because you are basically getting nations or people from different nations together and making them you know, strive in conversations that are going to spark eventual change. And I think that that's really interesting because you're talking to coworkers right now, but in the future, those coworkers could be your bosses, they could be future leaders, they could be future diplomats. And, and I think that's, that's a really, um, it's really nice to know such a diverse group of people from such an early standpoint. Um, but uh, I think, uh, yeah, so going back to your original question, um, I think I sidetracked a bit, but um, basically um, my day is pretty standard, like most, uh, you know, interns um, in any organization. So I wake up, I take the metro to um, a station, and then I bike from the station to the UN headquarters. Uh, biking has a huge emphasis here in Denmark because um, there's so many people who like, you know, just use their bike. So it's a huge part of their um, uh, urban planning. So I uh, take my bike to work and then I come in, I immediately check my emails to see what kind of um, responses I have gotten from um, regions that are um, affected by time zones. So for example, while we're asleep, they are reading our emails and sending us responses back. So um, that's really interesting to see that uh, communication of how we communicate with people from different areas around the world. And then, um, um, then I just get started on my tasks. I work all the way till lunchtime. And then at lunchtime, um, lunchtime is honestly my favorite time of the day, just because not only does it give you a break from the tedious, uh, you know, tasks on the computer, but here there's a huge emphasis on eating lunch together. So we would all, we all go downstairs in the cafeteria and, you know, we just sit down for half an hour, an hour, um, however long the break allows us. And we just talk about our day, our uh, future goals at the UN and just why are we here? Like, what is our goal and what are we trying to do um, to better uh, not only ourselves at the United Nations, but to better the image and the work that the United Nations does. Um, afterwards, I just get back to work. And then um, after I see if there's any events happening, um, and then I go straight to the gym. After going to the gym, I head home and I, you know, just do the regular evening stuff, maybe watch some Netflix, read some books. Um, there are a lot of resources within the United Nations to help us grow. So for example, we have a lot of uh, courses that we can take that are completely free. Um, and so I have registered myself in certain courses, whether that's a project management course or a course that teaches us on gender inclusivity within infrastructure development. So I think by uh, doing all of this routine, I not only better myself because I have a structure within my routine, but I also have the resources available to me that if I'm not working, then I have other things to help me grow in this process. So yeah, that's just a bit about my day to day. Yeah.
That's that's fascinating to work for a mission-driven organization because you're reiterating yep. every single day uh, as as part of your work. Yep, exactly. Uh, yep. So uh, you talked about UNSDGs. Uh, I want to know when did you first encounter uh, UNSDGs and what was that first interaction you had with the Sustainable Development Goals? Yeah, so um, it would probably go back to uh, grade 12 when I took uh, that economics course. Um, back then, they were not called SDGs. They were called Millennium Goals. And then um, I believe it was August 2015 when the uh, UN Assembly was called. Um, and at the time, uh, Ban Ki-moon, he uh, presented the SDGs, the 17 goals that are going to be driving um, the UN's mission to create better lives for people. Um, I believe that uh, the SDGs, um, when I first saw them, they like immediately drew my interest because they're so interconnected. You know, you can't have one without impacting the other. And I think that um, the reason why I was so interested in them from the start is because not only because of the impact that they have if they are achieved, but also because I, at the time I was developing that interest in um, uh, international, uh, sorry, in infrastructure, I wanted to immediately understand how does infrastructure affect the SDGs, right? So um, I knew I knew I had a basic understanding, but I think what really hit me was the idea of that if you develop the right kind of infrastructure, you target so many of the SDGs. For example, if you were to let's say build a clinic in um, a uh, developing uh, area that's you know completely meeting the standards and regulations of a proper health clinic and which is a form of infrastructure not only do you target the sdg for uh, good health and well-being but you also provide the opportunity for women to get the right kind of uh, support that they need whether um, it's for their own personal reasons or whether that is for um, the uh, idea of uh, childbirth uh, so it helps in that sense. So it, uh, you know, it helps that SDG that targets the idea of um, reducing infant mortality and uh, providing mothers with the right care that they need pre and post uh, delivery. So uh, it targets that. And if you have the right kind of healthcare, then you have the right kind of workforce. And if you have the right kind of workforce, then you immediately have good economic standing within your country that targets another SDG. So I think by using the idea of infrastructure and seeing how it targets the different SDGs, that's what really drew my interest and what really pushed me when it came to um, United Nations related topics and um, anything that related to the SDGs, I just immediately uh, gra gravitated towards. So I think uh, that would be my experience with them. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like how you how you talk about what the action side of SDGs yeah. look like, right? Because we usually do not hear about that uh, as as a as a normal person who has heard yeah. of SDGs. It's a very philosophical framework, but you're talking about how it actually is implemented, uh, especially from a, such a fundamental perspective as, such as infrastructure. Yeah, that, that's very interesting to know. Yeah. So you have a travel blog. Oh yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, tell me more about that. What was the What was the spark behind that piece? Yeah, for sure. So, 
Um, my travel experience within, honestly, uh, my travel blog was kind of just made in the pandemic, uh, just because I was looking for, so the reason why I originally started it was because during the time of the pandemic, I was, um, not really motivated just because I think a lot of graduates can agree. We were all at a standpoint, you know, we, some of us had no idea what's happening. We just graduated. No one, no, some of us are not getting jobs right away. Uh, the, the vision that we had of post-graduation life is completely put on pause. So at the time, I read something really interesting that I really try to carry in my day-to-day -day life today is that every person should strive to have three hobbies. And the first, so the first hobby is something that keeps you physically active, you know, so it gives back to your physical health, whether that's going to the gym yoga, exercising of any kind, and just really giving back to your body. So that's the first uh, hobby. The second hobby is investing in your knowledge, you know, whether that's reading books, listening to podcasts, listening to educational documentaries, just really becoming a edu educated person beyond the scope of school, right? And then the final one is to keep yourself creative. Uh, so do things that just, you know, give you that sense of accomplishment that you cre created something and it just, you know, helps you, uh, you know, get to that happy side of your brain and just uh, gives you that sense of like, you know, that I did something um, from a creative standpoint. So for me, I wasn't really good with like things like painting or drawing or, you know, that kind of like artistic stuff. So I really wanted to use my experience with travel to create a travel page that I could use the um, pictures to edit, you know, uh, using Lightroom and just seeing what kind of editing, um, you know, uh, tricks or not tricks, but like editing uh, features I could use to really enhance the photos. Um, I also really like the idea of making like short videos on uh, the places that I've been. So um, currently, I'm not gonna lie, it's, it's kind of on a hold right now just because of the whole move and everything. But um, when I do get back into it, I think the main idea for me is just to use the ability, like use the travel uh, platform to help people if they are trying to go to that place. Um, and I feel that um, I, I do wanna emphasize on the idea that most of the travel that I did during my time in university was because of university. So for example, uh, like my first um, encounter with travel was when I went to New York for a, um, a conference called the Youth Assembly. So when I went for that, uh, my main goal was to, you know, of course, understand the United Nations better, network with like-minded people. So that was the main goal. And then traveling, of course, was something else. But when I did do that traveling, that just immediately gave me what we like to call like the travel bug. And that's when really hit me that this is so much fun, seeing new places, meeting new people, you know, just really exploring what the world has to offer. So um, I started in New York for a conference. Um, and um, while I'm going through this list, I really hope that the people or the students who are in um, their university path really uh, take like uh, my experience and see what they can do with um, the opportunities that are presented. I know we're currently, we're in a weird time right now, but I think that um, by 
looking into what possible opportunities there could be in areas that are safe and COVID, um, you know, with all the restrictions and everything and see where they can go. Um, I think that would be a huge, huge benefit. Uh, so I went to New York. And then from there, I went to another conference in Washington. And then it was the same conference, just different locations. And then from New York, uh, from New York, Washington, I was able to eventually go a bit more international. And I went to uh, Egypt for the World Youth Forum, which was a great platform to meet all, all kinds of different people from different places. Um, and then from Egypt, I came back and I actually enrolled in a course from York that was taking place in Costa Rica. Uh, it was a one week course that uh, uh, students could take in, as a part of their degree. Um, so during that reading week, we would go to Costa Rica and we would stay with local families. And, um, you know, um, it was the most incredible experience because, you know, you're a part of like local families, you're seeing how their day to day life is, you're learning about how farming is done, you're learning about how the idea like the the emphasis on eco services that forests provide for people um, in the area. So I think um, that really helped me better understand the, the field side of international development. And then um, of course, after Costa Rica, uh, COVID happened, so it was a bit hard to travel. Um, and then for leisure, I was very lucky to visit some family in Dubai and then in Singapore. And then I actually just took my first uh, solo backpacking trip in Peru, uh, just because my work contract ended. So I was able to, you know, um, and because restrictions in Canada eased up a bit. So I was able to go on that, uh, you know, goal of just seeing Peru and uh, seeing what it has to offer. So I think uh, from my long story, um, I would just uh, emphasize to people who are, you know, in university to really look for opportunities that allow them to see different places from different perspectives. Uh, you can go for either leisure or you could use some of the resources available at university to really complete some courses abroad. You could find some um, uh, volunteer work that you could do abroad. And I think that um, university is such a great time to do that because you're learning so much about yourself that it really will help you to uh, get to that next stage of better seeing who you are outside of university. So I think the biggest takeaway is to look into semester abroad programs, um, you know, reading week programs, and just overall any programs that are available within the scope of York University, and seeing what kind of resources they can provide you to go on those, uh, uh, you could say quests, basically, yeah. And the great part is some of, uh, a lot of times university has funds. Uh, yes. If students yep. cannot afford to travel. Yeah, my, my Costa Rica trip was fully funded. Mm -hmm. uh, so all I had to do was pay for the regular course, which, you know, I would have done anyway, but why pay, you know, let's just say $1,000 to sit in a lecture when you can go physically to a country. Right. So, um, that was, that was a big, um, that was a big reward, um, for sure. at the yeah. end of the university, um, journey. Yeah. And especially like as that. an international student, I can say that because I've traveled, to San yeah. Francisco, New York, uh, Vancouver, London, London yeah. Uh, yeah. and university paid for a lot of that. So, and exactly. as yeah. as an Indian student, that translation of one thousand or two thousand dollars really piles up to a lot of, of money. Course, so it's 100%. really really great how university 
is willing to invest uh, in all of those interesting things uh, yep. that you can. So anybody listening to that, please do take advantage yes, of these opportunities. Because nobody pays after that. Yeah, exactly. Nobody does. You're you're on your own. And I think that that's the biggest thing is seize, seize the experience of university, you know, like, I think that, um, I, like, if there's one thing I would tell, like, 18 year old Kanishk is, like, don't fall under that routine of wake up class, come home, homework or um, assignments, go to sleep. There is so much more within university that can, like, give you the most incredible journey. Because at the end of the day, you're there for five years. So you can either make your five years a everyday routine, or you could, you know, find ways to escape that. And yes, of course, focus on school, but see what other things are available. Be part of clubs, find opportunities to go abroad, be a part of, um, you know, various organizations. And Um, The other thing I wanted to also emphasize on is look on the York job portal. There are so many jobs within um, York that you might not come across if you just don't do enough digging. Um, I was really grateful that in my final year, I was able to be a research assistant at uh, the Del Delay Institute of Global Health. And I think that that really stood out for um, my application at the United Nations, because while I was finishing up school, I was doing a part-time job at a research institute in engineering that is targeted towards humanitarian response. So I think that, and I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity if I had not you know, looked into what kind of jobs are available. Luckily, um, I had a huge um, support group with my um, professors. So whenever an opportunity like that came way, they were always, you know, emphasizing to students to, um, you know, uh, seek out these opportunities. Um, and another point I really want to say, and, and I know Utkarsh will, you'll definitely agree with me on this, is that be connected with your professors. Professors have so much to offer outside the classroom. And Though the just like you could even say like the the relationship that you develop with your professor is going to help you so much in the long term because not only can they help you from their experience but anything that comes their way that they could you know possibly um, that could possibly help you grow you'll be the first person that they're going to tell right despite telling fifty kids who don't even you know talk to them. So I think that's another thing is really be in touch with your professors as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with everything, everything that you just said. Uh, yeah. And I also like to talk uh, a, a lot about uh, this idea that university is the safest place to fail. Yes. Because you are not heavily penalized, even if you do. Whereas yeah. in the real world out there, one wrong failure at a job means the end of your career often. 100%. Whereas at university, you can take the course again, you can take two courses again. Uh, and it's a very safe space where you can make those mistakes with just being penalized for another course. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So uh, wrapping up, thank you so much for that entire uh, entire conversation and all, so many takeaways, so many insights. It's been absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you. No, thank thank you you so so much much for having me. This was absolutely, absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kanesh, for sharing those insights. As we heard, it's been thought-provoking to see how you're taking action in your life beyond the sound. 
Thank you, Kanesh, for inspiring us to be part of all this action, to expand our learning experiences, to discover how engineering is connected to complex human and societal issues, and the UN SDGs aren't just a philosophical framework, but rather a framework for making change. Thanks again for tuning in. Join our social networks to stay tuned into our podcast and all LaSalle School of Engineering activities. We are at LaSalle School on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Check out lasans.jerkyou.ca slash podcast for your episode guide to This is LaSalle School. 